has to become the way that we do all things as opposed to the things that we do. Hey everyone, and welcome to Seen at Work, the podcast. It's the podcast where we highlight diversity, equity, and inclusion professionals and the work they're doing to help their fellow employees feel seen at work. I'm Natalia Eileen, CEO of Seen at Work, and I help businesses build more diverse, more inclusive workplaces. Today, I'm excited to bring to you a conversation I had with a fellow diversity, equity, and inclusion practitioner, Lydia Smith. Lydia is the Director of Diversity and Inclusion at Kohl's. She obtained a Diversity and Inclusion Certificate from Cornell University and continues to influence work in that space. With more than 10 years of experience in the field, she's regarded as a subject matter expert, sitting on multiple Chief Diversity Officer and Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Councils. During our time together, Lydia and I talked extensively about employee resource groups and about how important these resource groups can be to supporting the business and ensuring that employees feel seen at every turn. In fact, Lydia and I talked about how at Kohl's, employee resource groups are actually called business resource groups. And she explains how they're thinking about supporting these groups to better support the business. Without further ado, I'll let you listen in on this conversation. It's a good one. Okay, we're here and we have Lydia here. I'm so excited to have you here today. We are very lucky um, to learn more about your work as um, the leader of diversity, equity, and inclusion at Kohl's. Um, let's jump right in. I'd love to hear more about um, you and maybe introduce us to yourself and then we can jump into all of the amazing work you're doing um, in your current role. All right. Um, so thank you for having me. First of all, I'm, I'm excited. We've been, you know, waiting for this conversation for a while. So I'm, I'm excited to get to chat with you today. Um, so Lydia Smith, I have been with Coles for almost two years, um, have been involved in diversity and inclusion for over 12 years, um, pretty much throughout my whole career. Um, whether in a formal capacity as my nine to five or being tapped to lead efforts either in diversity recruiting or um, you know, through our uh, employee resource groups or business resource groups, I've always been um, engaged in the work somehow. Uh, you know, even as I think about being a, a kid, I, I was that person who was kind of like sided with the underdog, you know, was kind of, let me stand up for the people for, you know, that don't have a voice or who aren't represented. That was just the type of person I was. So um, even though I didn't start my career in DNI, I started my career in IT and then mm -hmm. went and worked in marketing. Um, so I just think I, I landed here because this is really what my passion is. And, and I feel like it's tied to my purpose um, just as a human. So um you know, I started off at GE Healthcare, moved to Northwestern Mutual, and now with Cole. So, have made my rounds um, both inside and outside of GE and with um, some different companies. Yeah, I love that you are able to recognize that it didn't start off this way, technically, but you've had this kind of passion since the very beginning. Yeah, so. absolutely. I mean, and, and you're doing the work. I think. 
um, I saw a quote that was talking about, you know, diversity and inclusion has to become the way that we do all things as opposed to the things that we do. And when I think about who I am as a person and the work that I'm doing, it really has been, oh my goodness. <laughs> That's what happens when you're working virtually exactly uh, right. with a four-year-old. Um, but it really has been a part of who I am and the way that I work, regardless of whether diversity and inclusion is the topic or not, you know, the topic of the conversation and the topic of the meeting, it's, it's how I work in general. Yeah. Well, I know that you're doing a lot, you're doing a lot of, of stuff, you know, you and I have had a chance to catch up and uh, I'm, I'm always impressed whenever I hear the work that your team is doing, because I think you're clearly very passionate um, and you're allowing the, the company to really lean in to this passion as well. So I appreciate that. Um, but I know we spoke a lot about your BRGs and I'd love to just hear maybe high level what they mean for your team, what they mean for Kohl's, and then we can dig into some specifics. Absolutely. So what's interesting about Kohl's and our diversity and inclusion journey, um, our BRGs have been in place for um, almost five years, whereas our DNI team, um, you know, just was was you know, started probably um, 2019. So when you think about it, our BRGs were actually in place prior to us having a diversity and inclusion team mm -hmm. and a strategy. So when you say um, diversity and inclusion at Kohl's, for a lot of people, the first thing they might think about is our business resource groups mm -hmm. um, and the work that they're doing. So it's important that we lean into that, that, that these groups are for a lot of people, um, the more visible aspect of the work, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas the DNI team, the strategy, the stuff we're doing, it's a lot of the behind scenes, you know, behind the scenes work that nobody necessarily knows right. um, is happening. Um, so I think for a, a, for a lot of companies, that's probably going to be the case. Right. And you have to lean into that, that your BRGs are the visible, you know, uh, component of the work or the, the focal point of the work sometimes. And how do you how do you lean into that? How do you leverage that? How do you create a value proposition around membership of the BRGs, but also the work that they're doing? Mm -hmm. um, so our group, um, our groups, we have eight, eight BRGs. Um, and they each have their own components to our strategy. So we have a, a, a broad DNI strategy, you know, goals, a framework. Mm -hmm. um, and then they take that and make it their own based on the needs of their communities, of their members. Mm -hmm. um, and they drive initiatives across all pillars of our framework. So our framework focuses on our people, our customers, and our community. And our BRGs are fully ingrained and embedded into each of those pillars mm. and are driving work for our associates. Um, they're driving engagement and work in the communities. And then they're also very ingrained into our consumer project, uh, processes. So I know we talked a little bit about that before, but um, we're leveraging our BRGs for insights as it relates to how we're going to market with product Mm -hmm. um, and plans. Um, our Black professional BRGs and members of the BRGs are directly involved with our Black History Month um, products and, and, you know, 
they're involved in our diversity design council work as well. So um, when we say business resource groups, we mean it. We, right. <laughs> we mean right. it. And that's a that's a great distinction, right? A lot of companies call these groups ERGs or employee resource groups. And it sounds like at Kohl's, you're thinking about these from the employee standpoint, there's a lot of internal work that these groups are doing, but you're also recognizing that they're super, they're, they're, they're a secret power um, that you can really tap into on all levels of the business. So that's awesome. Absolutely. I mean, I think when you think about diversity, equity, and inclusion, I always look at it from two perspectives and two parallels. There's the subject matter expertise and that's the stuff that you get, you know, from working in the space, learning, training, certifications, mm -hmm. all of that, right? And so you do need to have um, a seat at the table or presence, a voice and be empowered to share that. But then there's also perspective. Mm -hmm. and, and that's different than the subject matter expertise. That's saying, you know, I, of course, we're not, no mention of diversity is monolithic. Um, you know, as a black woman, I can share perspective on behalf of black women, that doesn't mean every black woman is gonna agree with me or they think the same, but perspective is so important because if you don't happen to have a team today that has a black woman on that team, right. how are you getting that perspective? How are you ensuring that it's at least heard and taken into account when making the decision? Mm -hmm. That's where your BRGs come into place, right? And as companies are, um, you know, over the last few months, companies have made a ton of um, you know, goals, they put public goals out there about increasing diverse representation of their teams and their leadership teams and things like that. But, but that doesn't happen overnight. So what do you do until you get there, you fill those gaps, you leverage your resource groups, you know, to make sure that those perspectives are heard. Yeah. Well, I think it's fascinating that your BRG started before your team did. And I guess it speaks to the grassroots kind of ethos around a lot of these resource groups. Can you speak to maybe how that came about and how it influenced maybe even the creation of your own team? I don't know for sure, but I imagine so. Yeah, absolutely. So what's, what's great is that there's a member of my team who I love um, and she is, she's been with Coles for the history of the BRGs and kind of set with them as they move through the organization. So they might've been a part of HR, then a part of community relations, then, you know, and moved around and she's moved with them, which has um, been amazing because, you know, she's been there for that history. But back to what you said about the grassroots effort, you know, I, um, I came to the company after many of the BRGs were started already, but I was here around the beginning um, of the creation of the Black Professional BRG. Um, and it was interesting to see because it was just that, it was what you said, it's, it's grassroots, right? There's enough associates that are raising their hand and, and that are saying, hey, we need this group. Mm -hmm. We need this, this group so that our voices will feel heard, so that we will feel seen, so that we can share our concerns, um, share what's the same and different mm -hmm. about our experience at the company. And then, you know, identifying leaders who can help champion, champion those efforts. That's where, you know, you put a little more formality around it and structure. Right. Um, but definitely all of our groups have started with that, you know, associate base that is saying, hey, there's enough of us and we want 
to be seen and heard. We, we want you to hear our perspective. We want to make sure that um, our voice is represented. And, and that's, how, that's how they start. Yeah, that's, that's how they start. And then, I mean, it's up to the company to give them that voice and that, you know, the resources and the ability to actually make things change and move. So it sounds like there are a lot of things that are happening within these BRGs. I wanna, I wanna hear more tactically. Uh, you talked about the, the design council as a portion of it. Um, are there other parts of it that you wanna highlight during our talk today? Yeah, so, um, you know, each of our BRGs, we align them to um, our framework. So the customers, community, um, and our people. And so then they're building out plans quarter by quarter. Um, you know, focusing on how do they engage in those areas each mm -hmm. month um, or each quarter. Um, and then in addition to that, they're also really thinking about, you know, specific cultural moments that happen. So that's where you have Black History Month, Pride, you know, Women's History Month, Hispanic Heritage Month, so on and so forth. Um, but what I love about them and kind of getting more to the tactic, tactical piece of it, you know, they're taking the leadership in planning um, pretty much how they're showing up. Mm -hmm. So for instance, for um, our Black professionals, BRG, or Black History Month, they scheduled, they created a podcast series where they were talking to leaders um, throughout the month and, you know, were able to share that with the organization, which was really a cool opportunity for a lot of our, us, us as leaders to just share our perspective, make the work more personable, yeah. Um, but then both whether you're a member of the BRG or not, whether you identify as uh, black or not. Right. Like, yeah, this is about the work. So it was it was really cool. Um, they also um, had a conversation with Lindsay Peoples Wagner, which is cool because she's from the Milwaukee area, um, you know, young, youngest editor in chief of Teen Vogue. Yeah. And you know, now at the cut and just getting to have this conversation with her, sharing her perspective about the industry, about her career path. Um, but that was all them, right? Mm -hmm. Like that was them pulling together the event, hosting it. Um, we've had our Pride BRG, which has been, I've been so amazed and so proud of how they've shown up for others, really driving home the fact of, you know, the, the thought of intersectionality. Um, so they've shown up when the Black Professionals BRG was, um, you know, delivering water bottles during a march um, last year. The Pride BRG was right there with them. You know, mm -hmm. our um, people from um, our women's BRG, they were there too, um, you know, out there together supporting each other. So. Um, when we talk about tactics and how it shows up in the work, it's really creating events so that people can join even in this virtual world, which is, you know, a little bit harder, um, just a little <laughs> bit harder, um, creating events, but then also, like I said, being that voice. Um, so our BRGs are represented um, both through, we have a diversity and inclusion council Mm -hmm. which is senior leaders um, throughout the company, they're involved there, as well as on our DNI task force, which is chaired by our CEO. Um, and, you know, so their voice is at the table being heard, being represented, you know, so from a very tactical standpoint, when we're making plans at the most senior levels in the company, the BRGs are being heard. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. 
So there's a lot of cool stuff. And I, I love the focus on storytelling because that's such a great way to, to your point, make things more personable and also to help people recognize um, just how uh, widespread or complex and diverse the experiences within one community can be. Sometimes I think some of the, the biases that come forth when people are not as familiar with different communities is that there, you know there's like all of these assumptions about people. And that does such a, a it goes such a long way to breaking down those assumptions. So that's I think so that's true. true. That's yeah. so true. And I think it's just, you know, stereotypes can come so easy. We don't even realize it. And that can be the basis for not only bias, but microaggressions right. that show up. Um, and so, you know, we actually just this past Friday, we had a really cool session um, just about microaggression. So it was an hour and a half and we had everyone from the most senior leaders of our company on a call with our individual contributors um, learning about how microaggressions show up and actually learning the language to use in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a huge step for us in creating the safe space yeah. so that when those assumptions show up or, you know, when um, you kind of, when those stereotypes come into place that we can address them real time mm-hmm. and they can be learning moments. Um, Cause of course that's going to happen in this work. You have to assume positive intent Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think that that's a huge step in, a, in us. And that was another session that was co-led by the BRGs, um, you know, so, so they're doing great work at Coles for sure. That sounds amazing. So a lot that's being done to support the inclusive culture internally, um, a lot that's being done to support the consumer work that you're doing to make it as representative as possible. Are you able to speak on some of the work that these BRGs are doing to advance and advocate for specific communities within the Coles kind of company experience, whether it's a recruitment or promotions or how do BRGs play a role there? Yeah, that's a great, a great um, question. So one of the ways that they play a role directly in recruiting, um, we've created a, a, a champion slash ambassador role um, for the BRGs where, they di- where they're directly supporting our recruiting efforts. So when it comes to us being on, you know, HBCU campuses or HSIs, um, you know, capacity can be limited. And so rather than putting all of that on our recruiting teams, we're leveraging the BRGs and members of the BRGs to help support us with how we're showing up on campus. Mm-hmm. Um, and similar to, you know, how we have a um, always on, always intentional mentality around DNI. We want to have that with how we're engaging with campuses. So not just showing up one time at the career fair um, each year, but how are we networking with professors? How are we building relationships with people in, um, you know, the career center and things like that with student mm-hmm. organizations on campus? So they're directly um, ingrained in the relationship building aspect mm-hmm. um, on campus as well as with professional organizations. So as we're working to build um, relationships with professional orgs focused around different dimensions of diversity, we're leaning on our BRGs to also be um, ambassadors and and owners of the relationships in that space too. Yeah. Um, So that's, you know, one of the ways that we're really leveraging them, um, kind of speaking more toward that people pillar. Right. And then we lean on the BRGs to be our eyes and ears as it relates to community too. So we, of course, have a 
um, communities relations team who is, has done amazing work and has led the charge for colds. We made an announcement last year um, you know, around additional giving that we were giving specifically towards um, organizations focusing on racial equity, racial mm -hmm. equality. Um, and so our BRGs were a big part of that and helping us to identify what orgs made sense, right? Mm -hmm. And what orgs had great representation, great um, reputations in the community and what orgs, you know, did they recommend that we get behind? So they're also, you know, out there, feet on street, you know, doing the volunteer work, but helping us build our strategy for how we're showing up bigger um, as it relates to our community impact too, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, love the pillars and the way you're thinking about it because you can easily say, okay, we're doing a lot here, but let's make sure we're also touching on community or on people or you know the customers or what, whatever might be missing. Um, well, I kind of want to get into some of the challenges that exist in this in this space when we're thinking about BRGs, but maybe I'll get us there by asking this question. BRGs can be a lot of work, right? You know, you're asking a lot of people and sometimes even the passion, it becomes a, a real point of contention with the actual work that they're there to do or yeah. whatever their job title says. How do you manage that? Or how are you supporting BRG leaders and all of that? Anyone who's involved with, with the conflicts that could come up? That's a great question. Um, so I'll say what we're doing and my advice, you know, for other leaders and as yeah. they're working through this, I think best practice is um, as much as possible in um, integrating BRG leadership roles with your um, development programs or however your company, you know, sees stretch assignments, development opportunities, right? And and looking at these BRG roles as another version of that. So the same way you'd build in someone's capacity so that they could do a stretch assignment, you know, the BRGs should be the same thing. Um, and so it takes time to do that and we're on that path. It also is, you know, consistent communication from the top down to say, you know, the BRGs are important. And our CEO has done that, which means when you run into a manager who may not be as supportive of the time that you spend on your BRG work, knowing that your CEO has said, these are important, these are important, you know, the work that they're doing is integral into our strategy. It makes some of those challenges a little bit easier. Um, but what we've really tried to do is ensure that there's visibility back also to managers so mm -hmm. that, you know, the leaders of our BRGs as we go through, you know, regular performance cycles, thinking about goals and things like that, yeah. um, we have a process in place where our BRG leaders are sending feedback to the individuals who are, you know, leading committees, you know, um, champion roles. Mm -hmm. They're giving feedback to their managers. And I think that's what's really important in how you try to, you know, solve that challenge as much as, much as possible to ensure that there's continuous feedback loops about you know, yes, they're spending their time, but this is what they're getting out of it. Mm -hmm. And when you, you look at the BRGs as, you know, a, a source of development for your individual contributors who maybe they're not leading a team in their day job, mm -hmm. but for the BRG they are, right. you know, they're not giving feedback in this role, but in their BRG role they are. And yeah. 
And so the more that you can make those connections and really use those roles as, you know, part of uh, associates development plan, Mm-hmm. Um, just like I said, just like you would a stretch assignment or sending them to an external course for development, right? These roles are another way to develop talent. Yeah, there's quite a bit of responsibility and exposure too. I think absolutely leadership, but then, um, and I'd love if you have any thoughts on you know speaking to this further. A lot of teams that never interact with each other are working together in these BRGs and that also plays a role in how beneficial this could be, right? Absolutely. And, 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 and the visibility piece also extends to, you know, our BRG leaders are able to present to our most senior leaders on our DNI task force. Um, on, you know, same thing on our council. We're ensuring that they have a presentation um, at least once a year, if not twice a year with our CEO, with our operating committee leaders, right? So even just the visibility to leaders across different areas of the business, Mm -hmm. having an active role, you know, in the BRG and on the leadership team um, is a great way to gain visibility. Yeah. So jumping back into the challenges, because this is all sounding great. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> sounds wonderful. Right? Yeah. So what, what are the things that kind of come up that can be a little tricky to navigate when you're helping to support BRGs or when you're leading them? Yeah, I think a couple of things that, that stand out to me is, and you touched on this a little bit, right, is the passion. So, and, and not that it's a bad thing, but it's not, it's, not, it's pretty easy to get ahead of where we are as a company and our strategy because you're so passionate, right? And so it oftentimes is the question you have to ask yourself like, okay, is this Lydia or is this the company? You know, is this something I really wanna do and I'm really passionate about or does this make sense for where our company is on our DNI journey right now? And so sometimes there is a little bit of like redirecting or steering and not saying no, just saying not yet, right? right? Like now might not be the best time. Let's put this on our roadmap. Let's revisit it. Let's find the right time to do this. So being able to deliver that message, no one wants to be the person telling people no all the time. Um, But in this space and leading these groups, you're going to have to say no. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's a little bit of that. I think there can be challenges in terms of resources, especially when you have a large number of um, resource groups, yeah. whether they're, you know, it's your company called employee resource groups or business resource groups. Right. Um, and what I've seen, and even in talking to my peers, is being able to navigate from a, we're going to give everybody this blanket amount kind of strategy, like to tell us what you want to do and what you need, mm. and then let us go through a process of allocating. Mm. Um, because you naturally will have some BRGs who are not as active, yeah. who, you know, are choosing to spend their time on different things that may not take a lot of resources, mm-hmm. right? So it, it doesn't necessarily cost money to have a internal professional development session where you're having someone from your training team do, you know, a, like that doesn't cost money. Right. And you might have BRGs who have heard from their members that that is what's important to them. Mm-hmm. So let them do that. And then for the other group that has decided to do this, you know, bigger thing that's going to take a lot of resources, but that we understand its value to the organization and why, 
distributes your resources there. So um, it, it that's a nuance that I, I'm hearing more people are, are trying to get to, but I think that's how you start to solve that challenge of resource distribution, mm -hmm. where you're really getting to understand, you know, what what are the goals and objectives of the group and what do they need to, to meet those as opposed to, okay, here's the money, everybody take it. Yeah, and not know what to do with it. Yeah. I appreciate that point so much, especially for people who are just getting into these, these groups, just starting to really invest in them. There's always a question, well, how much are these gonna cost? And, yep. <laughs> and then how do people get access to the resources and all of that? And I think that's a great way of, you know, thinking about it. Do we just give people everything or do we just wait to see what people really need? And sometimes that second part can be the easiest approach. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's also just a piece of, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And when you're getting started, you're trying to figure things out, um, but really listening to your membership base and understanding what's important to them. And a, a big piece of this work is understanding that sameness and different exist at the same time. Right. And so while there are certain things that are going to be the same across the board for all of your BRGs, there are absolutely going to be nuances and things that are different mm -hmm. and giving the space for, for them to lean into those as well. Yeah. Um, and then the, the only other challenge that I would say that, that I think comes up sometimes is um, there putting structure, I think, around it. Um, and as you're starting BRGs or um, as you're growing them, mm -hmm. there's no shortage of people who want to be involved. And the faster you grow, the more people that want to be involved, the more hands that are included, the more need for structure yeah. um, and sort of in governance, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so just the, there's always a challenge around, you know, before when there wasn't much structure and I could kind of do whatever I wanted to do whenever I wanted to do it. And now you're telling me I have to ask for approval first and I have to submit this here and do this there, right? That can that can become a challenge. Yeah. Our groups have been amazing with it um, and have really evolved and transitioned into that. Mm -hmm. But I do think that, you know, just creating processes and governance um, around your BRGs can, can be a challenge sometimes for sure. Yeah. And I guess maybe this is a, a tack on to that, but you talked about how your BRG leaders are connected to the council and to, you know, the different leadership, the task force as well. So, you know, that too is a, is a structural challenge. How do these fit in? How do we, right? Yeah. And that was a part of, you know, that's something that was new compared to how they existed before there was a DNI team, mm -hmm. right? To now here comes the DNI team, here comes all this structure. So that that was um, something that was new, but they've all leaned into it. And I think they loved it because again, that connection to leadership is there. Right. They know that there's a seat at the table. They know that their voices are being heard. Um, and we, we made sure that each of our BRGs have executive sponsors as well. Right. So you have the leadership team and then you have an executive sponsor who can really help you navigate, right? Mm -hmm. Through, you know, who do we need to get in front of? Who do we need to talk to? Who should be at this meeting? Um, and I think that really helps even for them internally as they're navigating through the structure. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think just 
um, conversation would be really useful for anyone at any stage of their ERG, BRG journey. But what advice would you have for maybe those starting out? And then we can also share any advice with people who are chugging along and just trying to keep it going or grow it. So I think for those that are starting out, um, my key piece of advice is to, again, like lean on your members. Um, I think that unfortunately, sometimes those of us, especially if you're in leadership or you've been in leadership or you've been in HR for a while, we think we know what people want. We think we know what people need and we start building based off of the assumption of what we think they want and need. Mm -hmm. Then you get down the path and you're like, oh, this isn't even what they said they wanted. And the, the truth is, I, I know from being in this space that the African-American employee resource group at GE is different than the one that was at um, Northwestern Mutual where I worked and is different right. than the one at Kohl's. And so um, even if I went having the experience that I've had to any of those companies um, and just tried to start something based off of what I know, it would have been wrong mm -hmm. for that company. So I think my, my best um, piece of advice is to really understand the needs of your members and understand that even if there are connections to the business, to the community, mm -hmm. your first priority is always your members. Mm -hmm. um, and so understanding how are you best serving your members through the employee resource group or the business resource group, mm -hmm. I think is my number one piece of advice if you're just yes. getting started. Surveys interviews how are you thinking people get yep them? absolutely surveys and focus groups I think are the the best the best place um very simple surveys don't make it detailed don't make it a lot of questions a couple of key key points to ask and allowing people to prioritize mm -hmm. um so understanding you know is it celebratory moments and recognition moments that are most important to you or is it professional development opportunities right um right like just getting to understand what what your members are are um, most anxious for at the moment? What are they looking to get out? Um, and then creating that value proposition. And I think that's number two, or it's like a 1A and 1B, because the next thing is you want your membership to grow. And in order for your membership to grow, there has to be a value proposition very clear to employees in your organization. So if you become a member of this group, here's what you will get out of it in return. Um, and I always coach people or tell people I learned this in college, you know, being a member of a sorority. And it was, you know, you were undoubtedly going to have people who join. And that was pretty much the most part of, of what their engagement was. They joined. Yeah. Um, you have people who join who are financial, they'll, you know, give, they'll contribute, but that's the extent. And you'll have people who will wear t-shirts and be out there and, you know, promote but they're not gonna do the work. Mm -hmm. And then you have those individuals who are you know, engaged, involved, they're doing the work, um, and, but that number is fewer than your general population, right? So the next thing that I think that's my key piece of advice for people that are working to get BRG started is to understand the value proposition for each of those roles, for each person, and that it looks different and making sure that you are offering something for each of those different roles mm. um, and so that that way no matter who you are in the organization no matter what your intent and how much time you think that you will spend mm -hmm. in your involvement or engagement with the brg there's something for you right 
I really like that framing. I haven't, I haven't heard it that way, but I like that a lot. Yeah, it, it helps. Because, and, and you don't set yourself up for disappointment, right? Because I think people get disappointed like, oh, you know, people didn't come to this community service event. Well, that's not what their value proposition is for those individuals, right? Like, and, and maybe that isn't what they asked for. That's not why they wanted this resource group to be created. Mm -hmm. They wanted professional development events, or they wanted to be able to, you know, have a t-shirt to wear to say, I'm a part of this group. I feel seen, you know? Right. So just understanding the value proposition is really important so that you can meet your members where they are. That makes a lot of sense. And I guess if you can close us out with any advice for those who have been at it for a while, um, who are looking to scale or maybe do even more, you know, maybe they're inspired by something you said, and then anything else that you wanted to share with us, because this has been a wealth of knowledge. So I want to give you the floor right now. Oh, thank you. Um, you know what? I, crazy enough, I think it's actually very similar. Um, for people that have been doing this for a while is to go back and revisit your value proposition. I think that it is, um, especially if, if you continue to evolve, you are with a company who has had um, resource groups that have been around for 20 plus years and things like that. It can kind of become monotonous um, and people get to a point where they're like, what's the point? you know, why do I need the group? I've gotten my promotion. I've gotten where I am. You know, mm -hmm. what do I need to be in the group for? So revisiting the value proposition um, for employees and then building in whatever data you get back, whatever you hear, building that into your programming um, to, um, you know, put out there the, the opportunity for engagement. Um, and the other piece of advice I think is really around intersectionality. Um, I think we are now in a day and age where we really have to promote, especially when the groups, when there's a group that's centered around uh, like ethnicity or race, um, that we have to promote that diversity is so much more than that. And that we, um, as a particular culture, race or ethnicity are not monolithic. So mm -hmm. understanding the different dimensions of diversity and how they show up and promoting awareness around intersectionality, showing that you know you, two resource groups can work together to host an event um, right. or to create a program. Um, but I, I think that's like the next level. That's the evolution. So if you've gotten really good um, at the stuff, you know, for just your BARG or just your employee resource group, how are you working with others? And if you're, you know, in the, on the teams that are leading them, how are you promoting that that they should work together? Um, and giving them opportunities to do so. So great. Thank you so much, Lydia, for your time today and for sharing all of that. I know a lot of people who have been really grappling with how to do this well, and I think you've given us a lot to think about. And um, so thank you. Thank you for being here. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to, to be a part of the conversation. Of course.